Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning as we come together and worship God through song and through studying His Word and especially through prayer. So if you please join me as we come together and worship and stand with me uh, if you are able. Turn to you.
Good morning. We are glad you are here. Uh, really are glad. We're glad you're here online. We're glad you're going to watch with us later this week, okay, or later today. Just happy that, that we get to come together. We get to sing praises. Uh, we get to recognize. You know, as you're singing those songs, you're learning something about God, right? You're learning something about your relationship, and that's what this is about, right? We want to, uh, to grow closer to God. How many of you are satisfied with where you're at now? We want to grow closer to God. So that's part of our, our process. And so we're going to pray in just a moment. But I want to take a moment uh, to, to, to share a little bit with you. So we haven't been doing anything on Wednesday night in person. So this Wednesday night will be, quote, unquote, an in-person event. The videos that are posted on, on Facebook and YouTube they will still be there. There will be four videos. They're, they're two, three minutes long. And I encourage you to watch those. encourage you to share those. Because they go with, they correlate with you, the have you read that we're doing. That's what we want to be. We want to be people who are reading. Why? Because we're learning about God. We want to be praying people because that's us talking to God about what we learn. You know, sometimes you read stuff. Sometimes I read stuff in the Bible and it's like, I must be dumb because that didn't make any sense today. And so who do I ask? I ask, I ask the guy who wrote it. Okay, So you ask God, and he tells you what it is that you need to learn. And so that's called prayer. So on Wednesday night, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to have what we call an open house. There will be prayer stations set up in the other building, in the activity center, so it will be easy in and easy out. It goes from 5 to 7. I don't expect you to be there from 5 to 7. I expect you to walk through, pray as you feel led, and when you're done praying as you feel led, then you're free to go home. All right, that's just kind of the way it will it'll work, kind of like an open house. You don't have to bring cards, okay, that, and, no, and no gifts. Okay, so that's how that will work. We'll try this this Wednesday night. I encourage you to do that. On Thursday is the National Day of Prayer, so if you feel compelled and you want to come pray, give us a ring and we'll let you. You want to pray here. We'll let you in the building, okay? You want to come and pray in here, we'll let that happen. We'll allow that to happen. But most of all, whether you do that with this Wednesday night or you do that Thursday with the entire nation, we need to be praying. And we need to be praying beyond just physical things. We need to pray for a, an awakening of revival. Because as we sing these songs, as we look into the Scripture, we're reminded He's coming back. And He's going to take those that belong to Him with Him. He'll rise up that, that thing. Those who are not ready, that's the ones that we need to pray. You have friends. I have friends. You have family. I have family who don't know Jesus as Savior. You're not ready. If that trumpet blows, they're not ready. Let's pray for that to happen. All right. So let's join together in prayer at this time. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that we have. Lord, we are not worthy to stand before your throne and ask of anything. But Father, because of Jesus, we come to you. Father, we lay our, our burdens, our needs down. Each one of the people here, and each one of the people online, whether today or later, they have needs, they have concerns. They have things in their lives that are, that are perhaps causing them a little bit of anxiety. Father, I, I, we want to bring those things to you. 
knowing that you can answer. And Father, sometimes I'll admit our prayers are a little small. And Father, I pray that you would make us aware that you are more capable than what we are asking for. Father, for those of our friends and family who do not know you as Lord and Savior, use us or use somebody to intersect with their life. And Father, that they might ask a question, that we might say the thing that has them ask the question, so that the door might be open to share the gospel. And as the gospel is shared, Lord, as you give us the wisdom in what to say, or the wisdom for somebody to say, Lord, Father, I pray that you would be at work opening their hearts, opening their ears. And Father, that we might rejoice. Father, they not only heard the gospel, but they responded and accepted you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join me again as we worship God through song and stand if you are able. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Lift up your banner, let the anthems ring. Praises to our King. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and
Be thou my wisdom, be thou my true word. I ever with you and you with me, Lord. Thou my great father and I'm your true son. You dwell inside me together. Good morning. Um, we're going to worship the High King and, and, and offer praise to him. But I want to ask you, that when we sing that song, do our actions bear out what we sang? Do we really address him that way? Do we respond to him as the High King of Heaven? You know, th- think about that. So this morning we're in Jeremiah chapter 35. You got your Bibles there, follow along in the Bible app. All the scripture's going to show up. You're online, it'll be down here in the corner. We're going to talk about the Rechabites. Okay, we're going to talk about the Rechabites. Who are the Rechabites? Well, they've got a new show coming up on CBS. No, you know, it sounds like, right? One of those, those shows that's going to show up and you're going to watch a family get mad at one another. Uh, the Rechabites are none of that. Okay, the Rechabites are none of that. So when I ask the question and you say, who are the Rechabites? I want you to understand that it's not so much who they were, but it is what they did. So if you look in the Bible app, I will tell you, it's down at the bottom. You keep scrolling and you're going to find a, a, a dictionary definition of the Rechabites, which gives in a paragraph their history. They're mentioned here in Jeremiah 35 and in 2 Kings 
chapter 10 in reference to Jehu who is cleaning out the house of, of Ahab. Right? That's who we, you know, that's what's going on. And somebody, some relative, some of one of their ancestors that we're reading about here actually is mentioned in that story. So those are the two places that we see the Rechabites. Now, we're going to understand that understand it. when we read through this, you'll find a little bit more out about them. But let me explain this so you, when you read it, it clicks. They were a nomadic group of people. They didn't have a house. That was their history. They didn't have a house, and you're going to see they didn't drink wine. So they didn't have a house, and we find them here in Jeremiah chapter 35. They are in the city walls of Jerusalem. And why is that? Well, if we remember, this isn't necessarily in chronological order. Matter of fact, something cites it. They put it right next to chapter 34, which is also about obedience. We'll talk to that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But if you're nomadic people living in tents, and the opposing army comes marching through the land, you're looking for a safe place. And that's why these people who were strangers to the city of, of Jerusalem, at least in dwelling in the city, they are inside. They are inside the city. Nomadic people, we don't know a, little, we don't know a lot about who they are, but what we want to learn is what they did is important. So let's pick it up in Jeremiah chapter 35. We're going to start in verse 1, and we'll read all 19 verses. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go to the house of the Rechabites and speak to them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, son of Habazaniah, and his brothers and his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord, in the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdalia, the, the man of God, which was near the chamber of the officials, which was above the chamber of Messiah, the son of Shalom, the doorkeeper. Then I set before the man of the house of the Rechabites pitchers full of wine and cups, and said to them, Drink wine. But they said, We will not drink wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, You shall not drink wine, you are your sons forever. You shall not build a house, you shall not sow seed, and you shall not plant a vineyard or own one. But in tents you shall dwell all your days, that you may live many days in the land where you sojourn. We have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, and all that he commanded us, not to drink wine all our days. We, our wives, our sons, are our daughters. Nor to build ourselves houses to dwell in. And we do not have vineyard or field or seed. We have only dwelt in tents and have obeyed and, not have done, and have done it according to all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. But when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against the land, we said, Come and let us go to Jerusalem before the army of the Chaldeans and before the army of the Arameans. So we have dwelt in Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, 
Go and say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive instruction by listening to my words, declares the Lord. The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, which he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are observed. So they do not drink wine to this day, for they have obeyed their father's command. But I have spoken to you again and again, yet you have not listened to me. Also, I have sent you to all my servants the prophets, sending them again and again, saying, Turn now every man from his evil way and amend your deeds, and do not go after other gods to worship them. Then you will dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your forefathers, but you have not listened, you have not inclined your ear or listened to me. Indeed, the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have observed the command of their father which he commanded them, but this people has not listened to me. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing on Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the disaster that I have pronounced against them, because I spoke to them, but they did not listen. And I have called them, but they did not answer. Then Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabite, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because you have obeyed the command of Jonadab your father, kept all his commands, and done according to all that he commanded you. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not lack a man to stand before me always. So, as we talk about, we, we've learned the story of the Rechabites in reference to the end of, of the kingdom of Judah, the end of, is, the, end of uh, the southern kingdom. When we look at this, it is a group of people that we've probably not heard of before, the Rechabites. I will say that as I, every time I come across the Rechabites, when I'm reading and I come across the Rechabites, I had an Old Testament professor, Dr. Huckabee was his name, and he was an Air Force guy. He flew Blue Angels, trained in that stuff. Really, he really brought the Old Testament to life. And he was super excited to talk about the Rechabites. I want you to understand, he, he got all giddy talking about the Rechabites. I want you to understand why he got all giddy talking about the Rechabites. I want you to light up next time you're running through the Bible and you run across Jeremiah 35 and you read about the Rechabites, I want you to become giddy and remember why the Rechabites, this group of nomadic people, one living in tents when everybody else has got indoor plumbing, right? I mean, this is, this is the kind of group of people. They're, they're living like nobody else. They're not looked up to, hey, I want to grow up and be a Rechabite. That's not what people did. But yet the Rechabites become the center of attention because the Lord points them out to Jeremiah. I want us to relate to and understand why is it that the Rechabites carried in this chapter so much importance. What's good? What do we like? What, what I like? What do I like about Jeremiah? It, it's the same thing when I'm trying to do something. When I pull something new out of the box or the package, I want pictures. Are you with me? When you when you're doing something, you pull it out there. You you want pictures. You want somebody else to show you how it works. We were having a discussion about new cars today. 
used to be when you got in the car, you had a little slider thing, and it was it said cold over here and hot over here. Now it does all kinds of wild things. And most of you don't know how to use it because why? you got to read a book without pictures. So it stuck at 72, doesn't matter what, the air conditioner's on all the time. You know, because you don't know how to, you know, we, we need pictures to help us understand it. We, we, we turn on YouTube because there's somebody there that figured out what we haven't figured out yet. And we watch them and we love that. So in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah does what? Jeremiah is YouTube before Jeremiah, before YouTube was around. Jeremiah is picture instructions before picture instructions were a thing. Jeremiah gives to us object lessons. And this is the Rechabites, understand that. They are another object lesson. They are real people. He's used the potter, which is a real, people, a real person, right? Went to the potter's house and he watched the potter and the clay. And it's one of those stories we remember. Why? Because we can picture it in our mind. We can see, we've never, how many of you have ever sat at a potter's wheel? Online? I don't see anybody raising hands. You've never stopped your feet and made the thing go around and played in the mud. But yet, when I say something about the potter and the clay, it clicks, doesn't it? Because even though you've not done that, you identify with the process because you walked into the potter's house with Jeremiah and watched the guy work on it and you understood the connection between God and the potter with the clay in his hands, molding it to make it into an oil. Then we, we went through the object lesson of the yoke. How many of you have ever wore a yoke around your neck? Don't raise your hand. Okay. I don't want to know that you were plowing 40 acres when you were a kid with a yoke around your neck. All right? That's not something. But what again, we identify because we understand that picture. So now Jeremiah is going to use real people. And it happens to be the Rechabites. They're not working in clay, nor are they carrying a yoke around their neck. But we get to see the object lesson unfold before us. As a matter of fact, it's kind of interesting, as I'm reading and studying, somebody reminds me that this wasn't something that Jeremiah did in secret. This is something that Jeremiah did with a public audience. You see, what the Rechabites illustrate, what we learn from them, the object lesson is this. They were tested and they were faithful. Okay, they were tested and they were faithful. So what happens in that? The tested and faithful. We follow the story. Jeremiah goes and grabs the Rechabites. They're out in the city square, right? They're, in the, they're street people at this point. I don't know if they have their tent set up against the buildings or how they're doing that. But nevertheless, they're, they're, a, they're a ancient day homeless people at this point, right? Sitting in the streets. They don't have a house. And so Jeremiah grabs this group of people, and you remember all the names, right? So we, he grabs those people, and he takes them into the temple, and he takes them into the chamber there, and he sets out pictures and cups. Some of the descriptions, it wasn't styrofoam cups. It wasn't paper cups. It was good stuff. And it was pictures full of wine. 
And, and, and he sets the, sets the Rechabites down at the table there. And, and he brings out the pitchers. He brings out the glasses. And they know what it is. He says, hey, Jeremiah says, drink wine. And they don't move. They don't move. They don't pick up a pitcher and go ahead and pour it. Now, I, I want you to think about this for a moment. That seems easy enough to pass on the wine. But you know, it was offered in the temple by the spokesman of God. Think about that for a moment. Jeremiah sets wine down in front of you. If, you, if, you're, if you're getting it, you understand this is the true prophet of God. And he set wine down in pitchers and said, have at it, guys. And they refused to drink the wine. They refused to drink the wine. Now, I want you to understand, this isn't about the wine, is it? It's about the Rechabites and their resilience. You see, they had lived by the code not to drink wine. That, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, the only thing that we could tie it to is a Nazarite vow. But we don't know anything about their hair, and there's nothing about living in tents for a Nazarite vow. It was no dead bodies, nothing of the vine, and, and not to cut your hair, the, the Samson thing. We don't know anything about their hair. We don't know anything about dead bodies. All we know is they don't drink wine. And that's the, the command. We don't know why Jonadab gave that command to his ancestors them or their sons or daughters forever are going to drink wine. Yet here, they're offered wine in the, in the temple by the man of God. And they say, no thanks. So, that's the picture we have in our mind. It's like standing before the, in the potter's house. We see a guy working in clay. What's the connection between the clay and the guy there and God. Here we have the, the, the Rechabites sitting there, wine offered to them, and they refuse it. What's the connection between them and God? What's the connection between this illustration, this picture for us, this YouTube video for us to understand? Because you can play this in your head, can't you? Guys sitting down at a table with pitchers in front of them, cups in front of them, and they, nope, not drinking. Not drinking. That's my approach to coffee, but not drinking. It's a father parallel. Okay, it is a father parallel. Make the connection. Why don't they drink wine? Why don't they live in houses? Because long ago, long ago, this is during the end of Ahaz's reign, is when we first meet one of the, the Rechabites. So it's been over that period of time before the northern kingdom fell to about when the southern kingdom's going to fall. It's a long period of time. A long period of time. I think it's, it's over 100 years. And these people are still obeying the law that the Father 
put down. The instruction that the Father gave to them. You see, the Father parallel is, who's the other Father in the story? It is God. It is a story of God who spoke to His sons and daughters and told them that they should have no other gods. Simple as that. It's as simple as that. God spoke commands just like Jonadab spoke to his ancestors don't drink wine. Gods over here don't have other gods. Over here, the Rechabites, they're still not drinking wine. Over here, the sons of God, the Israelites, have done what? Over and over and over again. They get rid of the idols, they go right back to them. You know, one king takes them out, one king, the next guy puts them back in. Hezekiah cleans house. The next Manasseh, afterwards, it gets worse. We're going to put up bigger idols. And we, we go back through Josiah. We get rid of the idols. We worship God. After that, what do we do? We start worshiping idols again. It's that back and forth, that ebb and flow. And, each time, and, it, and as it continues out, what do they do when God brings the pressure and tells them what to do? How do they respond? They don't obey. Matter of fact, in the 34th chapter, right before this chapter, you get to see a picture of disobedience. There they were told to free their slaves, which they were supposed to be doing every seven years. They hadn't done that. They free the slaves and they decide, wait a minute. The trash is piling up and I don't know how to get rid of it. The lawn needs mowed and I can't do that. So they go back and they get their slaves. They say, hey, you need to come back and you're my slave again. But you let me free. No, no, we changed our mind. And you see, God had told them to do that and they were disobedient. And because they were disobedient, they were punished. And here we have the Rechabites who exemplified obedience. They exemplified obedience. Even when it might seem justified to drink the wine. Even when they might not have known why. Why don't we drink the wine? Everybody else does, right? Everybody else does. We've been told not to. We're not drinking the wine. But it's really good stuff. Everybody else is. They'll know. They exemplified obedience because they stuck to their guns. They knew what their father said and they stuck with it. And that is put in contrast to a people who have been blessed when they listened to God and when they didn't listen to God, God punished them. When they saw their neighbors to the north carried away because of idolatry. What do you do? If you see the guy flying past you on a snow-packed road and a half a mile down the road you see him in a ditch, what do you do? You don't drive like he was driving, right? You adjust because you don't want to end up in the ditch. They watch the northern kingdom get carried away. They watch the northern kingdom go into the ditch. But what did they do? They decided they could drive faster and not end up in the ditch. 
I don't know what you call it, but it's not smart. That's what's going on there. The Rechabites become an object lesson for Jeremiah to use with the people in Jerusalem who need to be obedient to God, who need to surrender under the yoke and, and allow themselves to be taken away by the Babylonians because that's what God has designed. And if they do so, they will live. If they do not become obedient to God's Word, they will pay the price. My friends, this is a story of long ago. They didn't pull that wine out of a, out of a refrigerator. They didn't have them back then. But it's a story of obedience. And, and, and the question is to you and I living in a time where we have refrigerators, it's not about wine, but it's about your obedience. Because guess what? God still has a plan for your life, does He not? God still has a direction for your life. God has plans for you. God has a career for you. God has a spouse for you. God has all these things for us. And we get to choose whether we're going to be obedient or whether we're going to do things our way. God has a way for us to live out our life now that we've chosen Him. Now that He's chosen us. To be a believer we are going through that process of sanctification where we put the old life away and we embrace the abundant life of living with Him. We get to make that choice on a daily basis. Are we going to be obedient to God? Or are we not? Are we going to be like the Rechabites? Or are we going to be like the Israelites? Which one do we want to be? Like? Here's the action steps for this week. I want you to, to um, write down, what do you think God is saying to you? What do you think God is saying to you? You need to write that down. And then I want you to ask the question, how have you responded to that? How have you responded to that? Did you respond in obedience? Or did you ignore it? I'm not asking for raised hands, but these are the things that I want us to think about. In light of what we learn here, in the story of the Rechabites. It's a story that repeats itself in the book of Jeremiah. It's about obedience. God wants us to be followers of Him. And that means it's going to require obedience. We're going to have to walk through doors that we don't know what's on the other side, but we're walking through because He tells us to. It's that obedience thing. What's, what is God saying to you? What direction is God giving to you? And are you going left when He says left and right when He says right? That's the question. Write that down and, and, and check out how, um, how obedient you've been. You know, give, your, give yourself a grade. You can do it 1 to 10, however you like it. But I want you to think about that. And then here's the other part. The Rechabites became an example to others about obedience. I want to ask, when people look at you and your life, do they see somebody that is a follower of God, a follower of Christ, a Christ follower, and use that term? Do they see somebody 
that seeking to be obedient to the Word of God and to His direction. Because there was a small group of Rechabites who represented obedience and a city full of the inhabitants of Jerusalem that represented disobedience. I'm asking that you become the minority. In our world, people need somebody. They need a, You need to be a living YouTube video of what it means to be a follower of Christ, seeking to be obedient to His leading and His call. Think about that. We're going to pray. As we pray, we're going to sing. We're going to, when we finish praying, we're going, to, we're going to stand. We're going to sing. And we're going to do that because I want to give you opportunity. We want to give you opportunity to respond. You might, you might respond to, to want to come down and pray for that lost friend that you thought about earlier. You might want to come down and pray, God, I've not been all that obedient, and I want to be obedient. Help me. Because obedience isn't natural for us. It's going to require that God does something in our life. And you, you might want to pray for it. You can do that where you're sitting at. You can do that where you're standing at. You can do, you know, grab a friend and pray together. Somebody that you're comfortable with. Come down here with your friend and pray. At home, you pray. Because we, we, it's not enough to just listen to God's Word. What we need to do is respond to God's Word and become a better house for God, for the Holy Spirit to dwell in. We want to do some improvements today on who we are. You might have another decision to make. Feel free to come and talk with me about it. Let's stand. Let's pray. and then we'll Stand and we'll pray. Thank you for um, this lesson about obedience. Father, help me. Help us all, Lord to follow You in obedience. Father, I pray that if there's a decision that needs to be made, Father, somebody needs to follow You and call upon You as Lord and Savior for the very first time. Father, I pray that that decision might not be put off, Lord, that that decision might be made today. Father, I pray for those that need to make some other decision, Lord. Let nothing stand in the way, but let them seek You out Seek your will out. In Jesus' name, amen.
I will follow. What does that require? It requires obedience, doesn't it? And so there we go. That lesson that seems so dated is so relevant in our lives today. So here's the have you read uh, 1 Samuel 9 through 10, Daniel 1 through 2, Philippians and Revelation. Read the scripture, enjoy the scripture, learn from scripture, and learn more about the one who loves you more than anyone else, willing to send his son to die on the cross. So thank you.